You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Scott Teeman. Hello. Scott, tell me a little bit about yourself and what do you do professionally? Well, as a former uh, athletic director, recreational recreational specialist for the Navy, I uh, had to retire from that due to some physical maladies. And uh, now I do hospice care and i go to school for uh, masters in divinity so that i can become a chaplain um, for hospice and then on the side i do a little bit of the uh, cigar sommelier uh, scotch recommendations that kind of thing now what exactly coffee too yeah coffee what exactly in hospice are we talking about here like can you explain that a little bit uh, hospice is really kind of gets a bad name, but it's palliative care. It's, uh, just making that, you know, death is part of life and, uh, it's just to help ease that transition from this life to the next. So every single day you're dealing with people that are basically on their way out. Yeah, pretty much. Does that get a little bit draining? I mean, how do you stay in a positive headspace when you're just dealing? I do. I have a very regimented day. I do a uh, reading in the morning. Usually I'll read some from the Bible. I also read a lot of philosophy like Seneca, um, uh, Aurelius, uh, Plato, Aristotle, Plutarchus, uh, Cicero. Um, smoke cigars, they help quite a bit. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, I've been to a few retirement homes um, to help out usually when I was in school for my service learning. And it was always strange because to see just how a lot of people when they go there, but to go to a place where they know they're probably not leaving, it really sticks into your head. And it makes you want to spend time with them a little bit more I found that as I was spending more time in these areas and being able to kind of deal with or just be able to talk to these people, I've been able to kind of gain wisdom and knowledge and stories. So like when you're going to a place basically where you know it's you're not basically coming out, um, you certainly, first of all, want to spend more time with people that, you know, are in this area or this place in general, and you get to hear a bunch of different stories. I found that with every person I talked to, they gave me more wisdom and more knowledge only on the basis of the life that they've experienced. Oh, exactly. I mean, that's part of it. Some people don't want to talk at all. Uh, Some people just want to have somebody just there and recognize that they're, you know, still here you probably come across a multitude of stories every single day. What's, what's one story that's really stuck in your head just from the amount of work that you do? Uh, I think the ones that I enjoy the most are the vets. They seem to be um, 
the most interesting to me because my father was a Vietnam veteran. And uh, we're possibly looking at him being in hospice at some point here. And basically, I'm doing palliative care for him and my mother at this point. Now, when we say that you've kind of connected in that way, just with kind of your father being involved in the war in general, what types of things have they really said that's kind of stuck into your mind? I mean, I can give you a... Well, the, the, uh, the, I can tell you that my father, when he came home, the, the American people treated him like shit. What? They did, they didn't, they did not recognize the vets. They looked down on them as traitors. Um, the country was very divided at that time. My father uh, was embarrassed to even wear his uniform. Um, and he had really bad PTSD. Uh, they didn't really know that word back then, but he did. And the only way he was able to deal with it was by drinking. So he drank himself pretty much uh, every day. He managed to go to work, but as soon as he got home, he started drinking. And he wasn't drinking the good scotch. He was just drinking it. Um, Anything to really null the pain, I guess. I mean, uh, exactly. I can't, and and I don't really blame him for it. It was hard as a family. I mean, we've been affected by it our entire lives. I, um, I, I know so many people that have PTSD and how difficult it's that it's basically for them just to be able to associate again. My buddy's grandfather um, was in a Humvee explosion and just if any loud noises go off, any subtle ticks, he can randomly have a, a freak out. And right. it makes it difficult because even though we're just kind of uh, doing a lot with when it comes to PTSD in general now, it's not enough, mostly because we literally, like you were saying, treated them like shit. Like we, we didn't focus on this. We let them slide through the cracks. And now we're starting to notice how it's affecting our society in general. Um, not only with just of veterans developing PTSD, but now we're seeing kids develop PTSD. We're seeing so many things occurring now just at the kind of the way we've went in this world. Exactly. I mean, we we don't do enough. And actually, we just don't do enough in general for mental health. Uh, That is a real problem for our country. But uh, we always seem to be focused elsewhere. Um, And that's a real problem. I mean, of course, we need to work globally. We have a global community now with the Internet, obviously, because here I am talking to you from another state. Yeah, but Um, mental health, like you were saying, though, I'm a big advocate because I've taken a few psychology classes and I started to notice that there was this shift in the way we've been communicating as people. I've talked about it a lot of times, but it scares me for the future. I mean, I'm only in my 20s, but just to see all the ages that are developing now, I mean, they're growing up around something that we've really never, at least I barely got a grasp of when I was little. And you probably haven't seen when you were little we're in a whole world shift right now. Um, It's kind of scary to what's going to be in the future because you're starting to see accounts of kids that are eight years old, 12 years old, developing types of anxiety and forms of depression only on the basis of how much information is at their fingertips 24 seven. Well, yeah, but you know, that, that really, 
isn't a new thing. Um, just reading through Seneca's letters and uh, Rome, you know, they had, he talks a lot about those ailments and they don't call it the, the, those words, but they had those issues. Uh, same issues uh, that we have now. So it's not really a new thing. I think it's new for some of the younger people. It was prevalent, though, is what I'm saying now. It's, right. It seems like it's yeah. becoming more popular now, hitting people at younger ages. I mean, obviously, yes. when you get older, yes. um, you'll hear stories, or if you read any type of Greek folklore or accounts through history, you hear about people when they get older, they start going insane, such as developing Alzheimer's, which we know now. And But you never saw it in kids. You never saw severe depression. You always heard about if a kid was in a story, they'd be exploring the curiosity side and going down, but they never seemed to be battling a mental affliction. And in very rare cases, there was. But the number or percentage of kids from back, maybe way back in the day to where it is at now, there's a higher percentage of people developing anxiety disorders and all these types of things that now we're just starting to really kind of focus on. Yeah, I I can see that. I mean, part and I, and it is partly due to the internet and just the feeling of having to go faster. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't have a computer uh, in the house for the most part. I mean, the first thing I can remember when I was a teenager, we had the uh, twenty six hundred Atari twenty six hundred. Uh, but we didn't have internet and, and kids who had maybe had those problems. Well, they didn't really have those problems because everybody played together. Everybody played outside. You know, we didn't really worry about that. But now we have a shift where people are staying inside more. Um, they're getting just a massive load of information and not all of it is true. And yes, you're right. It, it brings on anxiety and other issues. Well, I mean, back in the day, what was it? Someone would tell you a, a story or they would tell you something and then it could be completely false. And you would go tell a few people and someone would be like, no, that's not true. It's not true. Yeah, well, it's like that game you play as a kid. You know, you sit in a circle and somebody says a secret to the person to their left. And by the time it comes around, it's a totally different story. Yeah, but that was simple, basic stuff that wouldn't really affect your life completely much. You know, if someone told you like, hey, did you know if you uh, if you uh, if you spin around three times and jump up and down and call yourself an idiot or whatever, then next thing you know, bam, this will happen. That was Not very simple. But now where we're at, where someone creates a blog or puts something up on the Internet and people read it and they think it's facts, you have little kids that are 12 10 years old, 13 years old that are reading this information and going around spouting about it. And it, it creates a problem. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that is true because uh, my oldest stepdaughter uh, dealt with, deals with some mental issues and she was cyber bullied by her boyfriend. And it, uh, I know it affected her, and she was also molested as a at age six. Uh, prior to my getting um, 
marrying her mother, but still, I mean, we dealt with the fallout from that for ever since. It's a thing when we develop ourselves so much into technology and so much into social media, when we totally isolate the actual interaction face to face with someone, we lose who we are as a person. And I know that sounds deep for technology, but the thing is, you oh, say, it's, yeah, it's true. And the fact is, it's not, it's not going to really impact your life that you said that to that person, you know, if you type something in on the internet, like this guy is a jackass or something, then it's completely different. If you were to say that to that person, it would have a lot more of effect on you as a person, because you would actually have to mean those words, you would have to have that feeling of hatred, you would have to have this, when you say it on a screen, you don't have to feel any of that, you can just type it in, you know, and then you feel like there's no replications to it. But sadly, you know, they say sticks and stones might break my bones, but words may never hurt me. We're in an era now where those words get spread around all, all over, and it seems like it's never going to come down. I mean, the internet is forever. And yeah, I mean, the blog that I had from 20 years ago is still on Wayback Machine. So yeah, it's there forever. You post something there, it's there. I don't care if you erase it off of your side. It's there, and it hurts. It hurts people very much. Uh, and I see the same thing, you know, when people are in their cars now. 20 years ago, uh, I don't remember people being nearly as rude, but you're in your car, you've got your phone, they're still, you know, texting they're not supposed to, but they're doing it anyways. And it's every, every person for themselves. And it just translates over to the internet. I can tell you an example that happened today. I was driving through my uh, small community and a dude was on his bike. And um, you could tell like he was probably like all like an Instagram type guy. Like if you saw him, you're like, oh, this guy probably posts multiple times a day. He's all about social media. And he was riding his bike and he cut in front of the area of the bridge. So there's a, there's him in front of me on the bike and then there's a car in front of him. But he cut right as soon as I was like getting up on this car, like the car was stopped. I was slowing down because we were waiting at a light. He didn't even look. He just went right out in front of me. And then I was, I like, I like honked. So he knew I was there because I guess he just wasn't paying attention. Didn't bother to look or anything. And he turns around. He's like, what? And like, like took the fight. And I opened up my door and I stood out and I said, dude, I could have hit you. Like in that tone, I was not angry. I was just like kind of freaked out. And he looks at me, he goes, yeah, I'm sorry. And I kept on going. I was like, yeah, see, if you, if that was over, like, a, let's say if we take a scenario with um, somebody tweeting at somebody and you're like, dude, I was just saying something. You don't have to attack me for it. Then the person goes, yeah, well, you know what? You're a piece and just keeps on going. See, the thing is, when you start getting that edgy confidence, what you can say behind a screen, when you get in front of somebody, it's, it's completely different. You realize, oh, shit, like this person can actually grab me. And you don't know if someone could be crazy. You don't know if someone could be suffering from something that could cause them to snap and hurt you. Yeah, that, that's why we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. Well, how, um, do, how do we get people to that point, though? See, I have a thought. I've started noticing a lot that even though technology is really increasing and we're seeing rise of mental kind of health in a way, we're starting to also notice the fact that a lot of old crafts are being brought back. 
such as wood carving, such as um, pipe smoking, such as cigars, such as all these different things. I think it's starting to usher people into another age where it's like, let's put the devices down and pick up on these lost forms of, I guess, art or relaxation. Well, yeah, I mean, eventually your brain just shuts down and you need something to do that. I think it's good to be doing something with your hands. Uh, all those things you mentioned, I do. Uh, and I also do journaling and uh, that type of thing to deal with stress issues. Yeah, it seems like uh, when and you're, so, yeah. you're around people that are dying all the time, it seems like it would make sense that you'd be interested into a lot of these forms of relaxation just to be able to recount or, first of all, release a lot of the stress that you probably feel on an everyday basis. Well, yeah, it, 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 sometimes you have to kind of detach yourself, but that's not always easy. Um, so yeah, you know, I have to come home and, and I'm got to be able to leave that behind me so that I can be there for my family. Um, and a pipe is a real meditative meditative type of of uh, activity for me you know it's something that i like to do primarily alone my uh, cigars i enjoy smoking with other people although i will smoke them at home uh, especially if i'm doing tastings or that kind of thing because i don't want to have the smoke mixed but uh it just helps with that now, how exactly is it your form of meditation? Explain it from your own kind of personal experience with it, because I feel like it's we're we're well, living. It's just always seems it, stigmatized as something like you have to be a sign every, of wealth. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's not anymore. I mean, that is a misconception. You can buy very good cigars, uh, handmade cigars for four or five dollars, and they're good. Or you can wait till the weekend, you know, and save up uh, and buy a $10 cigar and get two hours out of that, that you will develop friendships from that will last a lifetime. Uh, so, yeah, that is that's something that I think people still look at from an I think that's mainly older people looking at that because the younger people are seeing it, as you said, uh, like new craft or, you know, bring kind of bringing back the home. Uh, the Finnish people have a word for that, and I just cannot remember what it is, but it's uh, just a way of, you know, living uh, to comfort just like you were saying, a social kind of thing as well. This is where we see a lot of people develop podcasts and people develop a lot of things like going out to a bar, planning an event, just to be able to hang out with their friends again. Um, with this area of connectivity, how we kind of rely on our relationships through social media and things now, being able to connect with someone because we don't feel like going over their house. The weirdest thing about a cigar or pipe smoking in general is the idea that it honestly brings people closer together. I feel like Oh, that definitely does. Um, the one experience I had um, with a cigar, I had graduated college and 
my cousin was like, dude, we got to smoke a cigar on, on just for graduation to celebrate. So we ended up doing it six months after I graduated. We go to a cigar shop and I was completely just overwhelmed <laughs> by the amount of cigars that were in a cigar bar. I was like, holy shit, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big uh, uh, tobacco smoker. I was like, is there anything to make it not taste like tobacco? And the woman's just looking at me. She's like, is this your first time smoking a cigar? I was like, it is my first time. She's like, I'm going to pick you out a good one. She's like asking me my what flavor, if I want a flavor or something, or what's my range of price. It's all these types of things. I'm like, I don't know. What's one that makes me look like fucking Al Capone or something. You know, I want to be badass if I'm going to smoke it. And she was like, okay. And she picked me out one. And then my cousin picked out his own. The weirdest thing about it was I thought it was going to be like just like if you smoked a cigarette where you can just take a quick puff, you can, you know, walk it off, you know, you'd be able to talk and do it. But the fact was when you started smoking it, it was a full on fucking task. Like you had to actually, you know, you have to you have to plan for it. You can smoking a handcrafted cigar or smoking a pipe, packing it, lighting it. Uh, stoking it um you have to plan for it you have to know how much time you have uh, you know you don't and you do not inhale it yeah i wish someone would have told me that one holy shit yeah that will yeah you will choke on us <laughs> i was coughing my ass off my cousin's like you okay i'm like this <laughs> i can't breathe he's like are you are you inhaling it i'm like yeah he's like you're not supposed to do that i'm like dude you're in your 30s this is my first cigar i'm way younger than you You could have gave me that advice before i almost felt like i was dying <laughs> i'm sorry that's <laughs> well i mean it's, it's i feel i feel for you though because um Usually, I mean, that's part of what a cigar sommelier does is to kind of help a new person like you uh, understand some of that. You know, how do you smoke a cigar? How do you select one? What, uh, you know, what are you looking for? Price range is one of them. Um, taste is another one of them. Um, you know, there's also pairings that you can do with them. but um to just kind of been left like that and not be told yeah that was that was kind of bad on his part my the woman that even picked out the cigar for me just handed me a bag and a wood match or a pack of wood matches and was like or not wood matches regular matches and was like here you go and i'm like okay and i'm thinking you know we're gonna go enjoy this experience together me and my cousin so we're, we go and watch the sunset. It was a bonding experience. It really sucked because I'm sitting there trying to figure out the cigar half the time. But it was a thing that, you know, we once I actually started getting it going after wasting like half the cigar, I figured out that like, wow, like we can actually get into a deep conversation because literally we can't go anywhere. We have to finish this thing. It's a commitment when you smoke a cigar. I have to come back outside because I've committed myself to this mob. Uh my father so that's all right well i understand that you're gonna you, smoke you, a cigar man yeah you cannot just uh just leave it you know not like a cigarette where somebody will smoke you know maybe a quarter of it uh snuff it out and then you know smoke it later a cigar you you either smoke it till you're done or you throw it away because it's not going to stay uh, you, it's going to have burnt 
taste in it, you're not going to get what the blender wanted you to take to derive from it. You know, none of that stuff. So what would be your most memorable moment with a cigar, whether it was your first time smoking one or whether it was just the overall experience you had with it? I think it was uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, it was long after I, I started because actually I smoked the pipe and cigars back in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, when it was a big craze and Cigar Aficionado had just started their magazine. And uh, I was interested in it because my father had smoked a pipe and my mother is a lifelong cigarette smoker, although she has switched to one of those electronic cig uh, cigarettes. But um, I met a, a guy um, we were just sitting in the corner and uh, both of us were smoking our cigars, kind of quiet, kind of just, uh, you know, kind of getting the lay of the land. And uh, we really bonded. And he's now up in New York and we still talk to each other every couple of weeks or so. And um, he just uh, he's my brother from another mother. Yeah, I mean, you're smoking a cigar. You can't be silent for an hour just staring at somebody sitting next to you. Well, you, you can. But <laughs> it's going to be awkward. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I tend to get uh, joked a little bit because sometimes when I go, I will talk for a little while, but then I, I want to just sit there and unwind. I want to be around the people. I don't necessarily want to have a conversation at that time because – I've been conversing with people who are on their deathbed all day. So, you know, um, for me, this, I will often just put my headphones on, play some music. Um, they like to call me DJ Scotty over here at my local lounge because I'll play the music on our, our Bluetooth system there. And, uh, but, you know, just unwind and just sit there, maybe read an article or watch a game on the television. Uh, sometimes there's uh, conversations going on. The entire lounge is talking about the same thing. You mentioned writing in a journal. Does that help when you're cigar smoking as well? It feels like when you have a moment to really sit down and kind of relax or be able to kind of enhance your own mind as well which you can do with smoking a cigar like a form of meditation it opens up your mind you probably are able to think more with your thoughts in general probably you get ideas quicker or you'll be able to recount the events of the day being able to stress relief as well yeah um that i i still will i will occasionally have do a journal with a cigar but primarily i do that with a pipe because I, I, you asked me earlier uh, about what I meant by meditation. I mean, you can make anything a meditation. You can wash your dishes can be a meditation. You know, you can uh, make your coffee can be a meditation. It's being there in the now, in that moment, you know, as you're preparing the beans so say uh for coffee i like to hand brew my coffee so i get my beans whole 
and uh, I have to weigh them out and then I have to grind it. Then I've got to heat the water. Uh, you've got to put the filter in, heat the, your whatever apparatus you're using. Um, so all of those steps are meditation. Um, you know, raking leaves out in the yard can also be a meditation. Um, it's where you're putting your mind. If your mind is, you know, going off in 30 different directions and you're focusing on all of those, then no, you're not meditating anymore. You're getting anxious. Well, it's hard for people to get a form of meditation because they, like we're saying before, being able to clear your mind's a form of meditation. So many people can't clear their mind because it's racing with the amount of information and things that are going on around us, such as our devices are giving us all this input and information where it's very, very hard to silence it. It's hard to dis like keep yourself from something that distracts you 24-7. It is, but I like uh, the words that Shinru Suzuki, who was a Zen, uh, first one of the first Zen, uh, Soto Zen, instructors that came to america and he said you know uh let your thoughts come through just don't serve them tea so basically what he's saying is you know yeah our minds are going to be racing there's stuff going to be going on back there but you don't have to pay attention to it you know you can just let it come and go okay yeah I, yeah, I hear that, you know what, but I'm making coffee right now. I see the same thing every single day. I see somebody doing something and then somebody has to put their input on what they're doing. I try my best to live this kind of, you know, you give that amazing philosophy. I'm going to give you this philosophy. I live my life like the dude from the big Lebowski, the dude abides. I let people do their thing as long as it's not harming somebody else, such as yelling or screaming at somebody. I try my best if, you know, you're interested in smoking cigars, you're interested in smoking weed. If you're interested in whatever you're interested in, that gives you a form of relaxation and keeps you away from what I would consider the demons or the monsters that are kind of in your own head that which we all do have some at higher levels than others. I have my stress relief in the gym. I isolate myself 100% when I go to the gym. There's no cell phone connection. All I do is have my music playing and I leave it away from me because this is my time to focus and my time to relax the part where I can truly find myself. You know, I think more people need to discover what that thing is. And it makes it difficult. Like, let's use cigars, for example. You get stigmatized way too much. So many people look at it like you're killing yourself. You're giving yourself cancer. You're doing this. You're doing that. It's like, why does it matter to you if it's not, if it's not affecting you? Why does it? Why is it so stigmatized to the point where now we're seeing it become where tobacco is now going to be illegal for people under the age of 21 years old. I just think that's kind of ridiculous, but I understand that because more so from the cigarette side and the, uh, you know, the vapors, vapes, because they are breathing them into their lungs. Um, yeah, there is a chance of cancer when you're, doing things but if you live in california they will tell you that just about everything will give you cancer including coffee 
if you roast a coffee bean, it creates a uh, a cancerous uh, molecule in it that could kill you. But did you ever think that, you know, maybe if you're out walking or running and all those cars driving by you, they're pumping out exhaust and you're breathing that in. Not just that in general. Have you ever seen the study that was done in New York on the amount of brake dust particles that are inside of people that live in New York's lungs? Uh-huh. They checked us. They checked the lungs of a cigar smoker and they checked or not cigar smoker, cigarette smoker and checked the lungs of a person that was lived in New York their whole entire life. And the amount of brake dust particles that they found on the person that lived in New York their whole entire life was immense amount basically looked like they smoked a pack a day. You're breathing in all these fumes and things. It's the same thing. It's like if a cigar is going to cause cancer because or whatever because of the smoke particles, then breathing in a, a campfire or a bonfire smoke can do the same shit. Well, it, you know, and it will. When I'm but, cooking eggs, it'll yeah. do the same thing. What I think, and I, I really do like your your uh, thought on letting people be who they are. And I, that, I practice that too. I mean, I don't think it's, I need to input myself into anybody. You know, if they want to come and talk to me uh, or we have something, you know, or just to say hello, of course, I, I, I love that. But um, I just lost my train of thought because this cigar is so good. <laughs> there you go. I see so many people try all the time to try and push their opinions or push whatever they feel like is the right choice onto so many people. Right. I just try and stay open-minded as much as possible. Well, the, yeah, the older I get, and I will be 56 tomorrow, um, the older I get, the more I realize that I really don't know a hell of a lot. Oh, dude, I've, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people, and I can tell you I don't know a damn thing. I get so many times people will tell me at my work or they'll tell me just on the street like, oh, you just think you know everything. I'm like, dude, I know nothing. I know not even a scratch on the surface, and I don't know how real I can be by saying that. I'm here trying to understand and be as open-minded as possible because, I mean, it kind of comes from where my grandfather said. Like, I remember I was in the store one time, and, you know, this was back in the day when people smoked inside of places and stuff, you know, and – he, he literally mentioned to me, he was like, I was like, you see that guy smoking a cigar over there? It's like, it smells awful in here. And I have my shirt, you know, like a little kid does above their nose. I'm like, like six or seven. My grandpa's trying to walk me out of there. He's like, I just let people do their thing. You know, if it's not hurting me or hurting anybody else around me, then who cares? And I was like, that's true. Why would we ever care if someone's choosing which way they want to live their life? If they want to be religious, they want to do whatever they want. Why are we trying to impede our thoughts thinking that it's going to change them? Because are you really going to listen to anybody else? Well, I do think there's a balance in that too, though. I mean, as far as smoke goes, um, you know, secondhand smoke is an issue. So I do understand some of that. I, I understand, you know, I don't really like to be in a restaurant where people are smoking cigarettes. If cigarettes give me migraines. Uh, I've never gotten a migraine from pipe tobacco or 
cigars. Uh, you know, I also cycle, bicycle. Um, I've been a lifelong exerciser too. So, um, I mean, obviously, because that was my job for many, many years. And it's just sort of ingrained. But that's, I can understand. It's when they take it overboard. You know, well, you're not, you're killing you, you're killing us, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't think it'd be smart probably to smoke on an airplane, mostly because no. nobody can leave. No. You can't open up a fucking window you can't, when you're 30,000 know. feet. But what's wrong with uh, having a separate area that is for smokers or, you know, or even glassing that section off? We'd... It's it's not it's not the fact of secondhand smoke. What happens is they can see it. That's the thing. People are like, I can still see it. It's like okay but it's not affecting you it's just there but it's messing with my view it's like what's your view i remember i was at a restaurant we and all they had a smoking shared, section we all share this world together so you know if you think your opinion's right well then everybody else is wrong then i guess so what are they supposed to do Exactly. Well, I remember I was at a restaurant and there was a woman that was just complaining that there's like that she could see the cigarette smoke in the cigarette side of the restaurant. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just like listening to it. I'm like looking at my grandma. I'm like, is she really complaining? Like we're it's not affecting us. It's not over here. It might be in the air, but there's not it's not as heavily over here. Like we're fine. We're actually outside a little bit. So it's like it's, you know, it's not affecting us at all. But she's like, oh, it's because she can still see it and she just doesn't like it. And I'm like, well, why, why, why don't she just leave? Why does it, why do we have to create a problem where there's not a problem? It's like we're looking for it to arise just to get that need or that, that want of just, a, I guess, attention. I'm like, it's so simple just to let people do their things. I've talked to so many people that believe so many things and I never say they're wrong. I just listen to them and try to understand it from their perspective. If more people took time to do that or just took time just to do their thing and be less worried about others, we would see a major shift in the way that this world is now turning. Well, yeah, I, you know, try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. That's kind of what I think. Um, you know, somebody's mad that day. Um, I can give you an example. I have a neighbor down the street from me. I've lived in this neighborhood for five years. I've, he's never spoken to me, but one day he was blocking the entrance to our street. And I asked, I rolled my window down and asked one of his friends if he could just move a cone a foot over so that I could get by and he just flipped out on me and went off cursed me up and down and I just you know I'm like thinking I wanted to just tell this guy off and I said hey just have hey you have a good day because I don't know what was going on you know maybe he was frustrated because his he had a tack in his shoe you know that was bothering him or maybe his maybe he wife got his car towed. Right. Maybe he maybe, got maybe his happened. wife had just yelled at him, or his or something. You know, bad's happened to his family. I don't know, and you don't know. So you know, give people a benefit of a doubt. I think that's um why I learned in psychology, you know, is environmental influences. 
things that are going around in someone else's life that are affecting their own head. Maybe someone freaking out in a store. I've had people yell at me and snap on me after saying like, hi, how you doing? Oh, then I didn't do something fast enough. And they just snap on me, unload just a week's worth of shit onto me. And I just walk away and then they come up to me later like, sorry, it's just been a rough week. I've been dealing with this and this and this. And I'm like, I can tell. But I think as people, we need to look at pushing our frustration and pressure that we experience in a better form, you know, such as like smoking a cigar, for example. Okay, that's just one of many examples. Yeah, well, Hold on. I mean, I think your exercise is a good thing, but exercise too can I'm be. I'm just a, saying, yeah. for example, yeah. we're going to use a cigar. So, for example, I'm saying if you smoke a cigar, you're able to sit there and recount every single thing that happened throughout your day, any problems that you're facing in the future and any problems that you're experiencing at the well, moment. That depends on what you want to have in your mind. Is sometimes I just leave mine empty. <laughs> you don't try at least to kind of like, I find that when I no, go out, sometimes I just, you know, sometimes I'm just there. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not wondering about something i mean I, those things are back there more like an escape kind of yeah i mean exactly i mean that's why you go and have a cigar you know maybe have those conversations you know that you wouldn't normally have you know about something that you've never even done you know just to hear or i you know i like to hear other people talk i mean i'm not a huge talker really i think you've gotten me more to talk more than i probably have since last summer i like i guess i can relate to that a little bit with the fitness aspect when i go to the gym i don't ever think about the problems that are going on in my day but i find that when i get done doing a workout or something i'm much more able to handle and think clearer on a situation yeah i can i can very well see that that's uh that's why I like to uh, bicycle. You know, I've, I've got my, my bike has thousands and thousands of miles on it. Um, I've had it rebuilt several times. I uh, used to prior to uh, some injuries. And I, like I said, I'd gotten sick. In fact, I'd gotten so sick that I actually died. And I have three days missing in my life. Uh, but um it can relax me and it can you know give me a chance to just let my mind clear and focus on what i'm doing but that too can be overdone because as a you know as somebody who was a fitness fanatic at one time you know i was biking 50 miles a day i would bike from home to work 365 days I biked on Christmas biked in the snow biked in the rain and then I would either run and then hit the weights in the afternoon and uh, made myself sick after a while because you can't do so much it doesn't you're not giving your body the chance to actually heal itself and build rebuild because when you're in there, you're breaking those muscles down. Now, you brought up that you died. You have to go back to that because that's just not something I can gloss over. Well, 
uh, yeah, I was uh, had some. Well, it, it it's a goes way back, but my mother needed a liver, and my father-in-law had just died the year before from metastatic melanoma. And I helped hospice him, and this was back in 1999. And at that time, um, my mother was close to dying too. And my boss at the time had seen a newspaper article that talked about living donors, and that they did them up at MCV, which is uh, the medical school up in Richmond here in Virginia. Uh, so I did that. I gave my mother 60% of my liver. Um, she's still alive 20 years later, but it did affect me. Uh, it changed my metabolism. It changed the way that I uh, process medications and things like that. So sugars I, as well. Yeah. So I had developed, uh, I have, uh, I had a knee that I busted up, you know, had six surgeries on it. I finally had it replaced when I was 42. Uh, so I had a lot of pain issues just from that. So they had put me on narcotics because, you know, narcotics are the magic bullet for everything. Uh, needless to say, you can only take so much of that. And I had a doctor that was giving me too much. And I had central sleep apnea. And apparently I was also allergic to aspirin, which I'd been taking a baby aspirin for years for your heart. Um, so I just... Transferring that liver over to your mother actually kind of weakened your body in a way to where it was starting to notice all these things that you shouldn't have been taking or kind of were experiencing. Right. So I, I cannot tolerate certain things like narcotics. I can, I can tolerate short release, quick release, uh, because uh, one of the uh, effects that I got from that is that I'm uh, very susceptible to uh, pancreatitis and hepatitis. And it's not from drinking or anything like that. It's just from the way that my liver uh, processes. So if I eat too much fatty foods, uh, I can guarantee you that I will probably have uh, uh, well pancreatitis within a few weeks, which is extremely painful. So, yeah. Doesn't this play in at all into your mind, the fact that you're smoking cigars kind of in a way? seems like it might lower your health risk. It seems like when people get to a vulnerable state, especially one like yourself with just the overall, like you're working at a way less capacity with your liver that overall affects your whole body metabolism, that you'd be more worried about your health. Like no coffee, any of that. You're going to die something anyways. I love that. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Holy shit. I mean... As soon as you're born, you're, you're heading towards death. I mean, I'm very big on living in the moment. I, uh, I like the motto, momente mori, which is remember your death. You're going to die. 
carpe diem, seize the day, um, you know, make the best of every moment of every day like it's your last. So it's important for me to make sure that I'm doing something every day that maybe makes a difference. I don't know. I hope it does. How often do you ever change it up? I feel like as people or where we're seeing a lot of people now where depression starts to arise is when we get very, very stuck in a routine that we're not able to change. Uh, I change things up all the time. I have so many interests. I could have 10 of me and still not cover them all. So, so would you say the best thing is kind of staying busy, but not a form of busy like work, more like a busy, like doing things that you enjoy doing? Well, yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, you know, I, I enjoy reading. I read uh, probably, I usually am in three or four different books at a time. Um, I usually will be reading at least one philosophy book, uh, maybe a biography. Uh, right now, I'm re I, I mentioned Seneca only because I've been reading his letters. I read a letter a night, and I've been reading Marco Polo's Travels, which is very interesting. I finished The Great Gatsby again, um, which I had read in high school. Um, and um, I read graphic novels, too, because they're just, you know, you don't have to think too hard with them. What would you suggest to anyone that's looking for a hobby or maybe looking into cigar smoking in general or even pipe smoking just to try and find a way out of this life that seems like it's getting a little bit too much at times? Oh, find the place that makes you happy. You know, cigars don't necessarily have to be that thing or the pipe doesn't have to be that thing. You know, do you like to crochet? Crochet. My youngest daughter, she likes to, she's a lot like me in the way that she has a lot of interests. So um, right now she's in there baking a pie for me for my birthday tomorrow. Um, but she also plays the violin. She uh, likes to learn new things she's she's part of the internet generation obviously so she does a lot of her study and and, and get her information through youtube which is actually a great way of learning yes i there's so much information on there you can look up a video of anything my car died in my driveway and i tried to look up the signs of what was wrong with it and a dude did a youtube video on it and i fixed it Oh, man, you don't know how many times I have watched YouTube how to fix something so that I could get it taken care of. I mean, I changed out a couple transformers in our uh, heat pumps, and I did it through one of the YouTube videos. I probably should have YouTubed how to properly smoke a cigar. They have them. There are quite a few I of them. I bet you, if you look up anything on YouTube, there's a video for it. There probably is. There's a, a cigar obsession is uh, one of the guys that has uh, great videos and he could, he will give you recommendations and he has uh, videos on how to smoke cigars. There's also uh, uh, several different guys that will 
teach you how to smoke a pipe if you're interested. And one of the cheapest ways to do that is to get yourself a corn cob pipe because uh, they're only a few dollars. And, uh, and maybe a roofing nail as a packer and uh, some tobacco. Uh, and probably one of the best ones to start out with is uh, Lane 1Q, which is kind of an aromatic. That's what most most people that get into it will either start with a cigar that's been flavored. And I'm not talking about these black and milds, crap like that. I mean, they're legitimately hand-rolled cigars. They're just, uh, they're just flavored. Um, Truce Estate makes uh, quite a few of them. They're called Acids. And uh, that was one of the ones that got me back into smoking cigars again because I had been smoking a pipe uh, for a lot longer. Uh, if you were going to suggest, like for me, if I was going to pick up pipe smoking or cigars in general, what are the types of things that you could tell me to avoid or things that you could tell me to kind of focus on to make sure that I get an overall great experience? Oh, don't listen to the, you know, first off, just learn, learn your basic etiquette, but, and you can do that through YouTube or like I had a mentor who, who basically taught me how to smoke a pipe. I mean, smoking a pipe is a lot like stoking a fire. Um, you know, if you can stoke a fire, you can pretty much smoke a pipe. Um, but learn that and then smoke what you enjoy. If you don't enjoy it, you know, that's why they ask you when you walk in, if it's a good, reputable uh, cigar lounge and shop, somebody should be able to tell you, okay, I, I hear, you know, like they may ask you what foods you like to eat or what are your favorite flavors. Uh, and, you know, from there, they can kind of get you pointed in the right direction as far as what cigar you might want to start out with. Uh, they run anywhere from very, very, very mild to very strong with a lot of nicotine in them. And uh, those can knock you on your butt if you're not careful. Yeah, I, I, learned, I learned that the hard way. I tried dipping for the first time. Uh, like when I was like 17 and we, I was skateboarding and that's not something you want to do if you've never dipped before. And <laughs> I didn't real, no one ever told me not to swallow or not to make sure you like get all of it out of your yeah. mouth. So I ended up stopping, like I'm really lightheaded. And then my buddy's like, yeah, I'm lightheaded too. Let's just take a break. I went to the bathroom and I've never been in that amount of pain to the point where I think I've stayed away from dipping ever since. Well, I'll give you a, a tip for that uh, to alleviate some of the nicotine uh, effects. If you start feeling that uh, something sweet, sugar, sugary, like a sugary drink or uh, mint, or something that actually has sugar in it will negate the, the effects of nicotine. So, you know, I will keep, um, keep some mints in my bag with me. If, because, you know, I don't, 
I'm not able to eat a lot because of the liver situation. Um, so I don't usually eat until maybe one meal a day, maybe two small ones. And uh, so I don't have anything in my stomach except coffee uh, or maybe scotch if it's really a good day. <laughs> or, or a really bad one, I'm guessing. Or a real bad one. No, I try not to drink on bad bad days. That's that's a bad habit to get into. I you know I want those things to be celebratory, not not. I'm doing it because I'm stressed. If I'm stressed, then I need to do something healthy to deal with. And healthy would be like journaling, like uh, maybe go for a walk, maybe take a hot shower, you know something like that yeah finding a way to kind of recount and first yeah. of all relax from right. everyday stress right don't don't use it as a vice because uh then it then it's no longer an enjoyment it's a crutch and you, you don't you know you don't want that that's perfect advice that's perfect scott i mean that's literally like a lot of people look for something to get away from that like a lot of people start drinking to deal with depression and it's like you're not fixing the situation you're putting a band-aid on a scar right i mean and my father uh, and i love him dearly but he's in a perfect example you know i mean nobody took care of them when they came back from Vietnam and he, he dealt with it the only way he knew how, which was with alcohol. He found that alcohol numbed the, the memories. Uh, he was a, he, we, my family came from a farming, a German farming community out in Nebraska. I mean, he was the last, he was one of those, uh ohs. He, uh, my grandparents had him in their 50s so that was a big surprise so he was very naive i mean honestly he had he and my mother both are from nebraska they had never seen a african-american in their lives until they went to the university of nebraska i mean they were just so you know they didn't have the internet they had party lines and i don't know Probably people don't know what those are, but you know the the uh, phones actually you would share a phone line with several of your neighbors, and your phone would you would have a ring. Ours was uh, three shorts and a long, and that was yours. I mean, if you wanted to get the the scoop, you would just pick up the phone and hear what your neighbors were talking about. You know time but he was he was very naive so he got kind of dropped into a situation that he really wasn't prepared for and it's still happening you know to this day not only with that either with just veterans but over with people people are right dropped into situations that we don't have the capability or power to deal with in the first place really kind of makes you wonder about what's the future going to look like well, I hope and pray that it's going to be better, but I don't know. As long as human beings are on this planet, I think we're going to fuck it up. 
I think it's we're going to get to a critical state and then we're all going to realize like we need to do a fix and then it's going to be too late. It could be too late for some things already. I, I, um, I believe that. But uh, I like to look at the glass half full and not half empty. So, you know, there are things that can be done and things for our environment things for uh, our health, you know, things that we've been talking about today. I mean, these are things that can help people. That's one of the reasons why I do hospice is because it's, you know, that's a very stressful time. And not only the individual who's, who's dying, but their family members as well. Yeah. So I do a lot of talking with them you know, to help ease their minds or just let them, un you know, spill whatever they need. You're talking to a fellow advocate of conversation. I do this podcast because it doesn't no matter who you are, what you have, you mean something and you have a word to say, whether it's just talking or being able to kind of relieve the stress of everyday life. You know, communication is key to a lot of things. I think, I think you hit on something there very much. Yeah. I mean, if we just were honest and just told it, well, don't be too honest. I mean, you can get honest to the point of being rude. Yeah, I trust me. You know? I have an aunt that's I have an <laughs> aunt that's Brazilian, and she says I always like to speak my mind, and I'm like, sometimes you should learn to not do that. <laughs> right. I mean, there is some common sense to that, but you know, I mean, be nice. Yep. Do something nice. Be, I mean, be a helper, you know, they just had a, a yeah, they just, uh, I just heard a study that said that people who do things for other people or, you know, uh, live longer, they've had us, they've done a study on this and they feel better about themselves yeah you got to think if you're creating a better environment or more positive environment you're going to see more beneficial things to yourself than living a life of hatred and isolation oh yeah i mean that's why we need to look out for our neighbors um i think the lord said it pretty good i mean love your the lord your god and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that was, that's the ultimate goal, I think. Now, you know, you don't have to believe in God if that's your thing. I mean, but you still should think something and, uh, you know, have something there that you hold that, that anchors you and, and then love, love the other people around you even the people you don't necessarily like yep find realness and be more positive and then actually enjoy the moments as well uh yeah i mean you know we had a neighbor uh that when we first moved in he was a world war ii vet i remember named mr brock 99 years old he died six months after we moved in he uh would sit out on his porch and I would go over and sit down with him while he ate his lunch every day and just chat, listen to his stories. He had wonderful stories about all kinds of things, you know, you just never know 
who you have around you. You never know how much time you got left either. That's why I like your motto, living every day like it's your last. Exactly. Right. Well, Scott, I really appreciate you coming out and doing the podcast, man. It was awesome being able to talk to you. Well, uh, I hope I... <laughs> I hope I made some difference there, but I enjoy talking to you. You seem like a really solid young man. I appreciate that, Scott. Is there anything you want to promote or any type of page people want to, you know, maybe follow you well, or just anything you want to promote out there in general? Just take care of each other. You know, if you're, if you're on Instagram, I have a grand, but you know, you can link that, but I'm not really, you know, I rather people find that because they're interested in it, not because I advertised it. And it's a hundred percent understandable. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of out of the blank. Stay tuned for our next episode.